Good morning. If you're new here today, my name is uh, John Reyes, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Christ Community Church. If you're a member here or have been attending regularly, you know that we've been going through a series entitled Seeing Christ in All of Scriptures. And last week we ended in the book of Joshua, and next Sunday we'll begin the book of Judges. This week we're taking a little break from our series, though it's not really a break as we're going to see Christ in the text that we'll be mining out today. So turn with me, if you would, please, to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is probably one of the most famous psalms in the Bible. We could find this psalm in frames at local Christian bookstores. We often hear it read at funerals. And one thing I love about this psalm is that it's filled with rich imagery. We'll read about a shepherd. We'll read about flourishing pastures. We'll read about calm waters and paths and valleys and a celebration. It's it's just very rich in imagery. And it's perhaps one of the most beloved psalms uh, or beloved psalms uh, uh, in the scripture of the psalms. But it's also known as a psalm of trust and confidence. Some scholars say that this psalm was written by King David when he was in the wilderness at the time of his flight from Absalom. And so the title of my message today is nothing really exciting, It's, but it is exciting. It's about Jesus, the great shepherd. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Dear Father, it's with frailty that I pray today. Would you please help me? I need your help to rightly divide the word of truth. We need your help. Help us hear your word. Receive your word. And apply your word. And it is with grateful hearts that we assemble here together to hear from you. Help us not to take your word for granted. And we ask that you would revive and refresh us this morning with your word and for your glory. Amen. The Great Shepherd. Let's look at verse 1. The first point, the shepherd. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David is stating here that God, Yahweh, is personal. That God is relational. That he is the faithful shepherd who provides. He is the faithful shepherd who guides. And he is the faithful shepherd who protects his flock. And he's not only our God, the God of the church universal, but he is your God and he is my God. He is the God of individuals within the church universal. He is my shepherd and he is your shepherd. He is Sherry's shepherd. He is Deb's shepherd. He's Alex's shepherd. He's Steve's shepherd. He's Vonnie's shepherd. He's Cheryl's shepherd. He's Mark's shepherd. He knows his sheep. And his sheep know him. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus knows his sheep, and he knows his sheep personally, by name. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And so this psalm permits each and every believer, each and every sheep, to express his or her gratitude and confidence in God. This psalm points to the relationship that you and I have As a covenant child toward him. He is good. He is the good shepherd who laid his life down for the sheep. And because he is your good shepherd and my good shepherd. I shall not want. Those who have repented and trusted in Jesus Christ have had their sins forgiven and now have the good shepherd who supplies their every need. Paul wrote to the Philippians, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You see, the idea of this is not that God gives us everything we ask for. I've asked for a lot of things and God didn't, Given to me. I asked for a million dollars. I never got it. And that's okay. It's not his will. He gives some people a million. He gives some people other things. And I'm okay with that. And we have to be okay with that. Sometimes we ask for things that just are not in the will of God. And he's not going to give those things to us. And we have to be content with that. But rather, he cares for us by giving us everything that we need. Everything that we need. Understand that sheep are helpless animals. Left to themselves, they lack everything. The good shepherd, a good shepherd, knows what his sheep need. And if the God of the universe is your shepherd, you lack nothing. He will provide for you. He is providing for you even this very moment. 
And he has provided for you. From the moment you became born again. And in his common grace prior to that. How does he do this? How does he provide? Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You know, when sheep lie down, it's usually for a couple of reasons. It's usually because they feel safe and they feel satisfied. Now, I had to learn this because I grew up in the suburbs, nowhere near farms, and there are farms all around me, but I've not been near a sheep farm anytime. I haven't been near one that I know of in recent months or anything like that. But there is a show on TV that I get to watch that invites me into the world of farmers, and it's called The Incredible Dr. Pole. He's a farmer, or he's a veterinarian, and he goes to these farmers' places. And if you want to know what a prolapsed uterus is, watch Dr. Pole or ask my kids. And they'll be able to tell you. It's gross. I can't even watch it. It's disgusting. It's really gross. Those poor animals. But anyway, he fixes them, makes them all better, sews them up, and they can have calves again. But anyway, it's usually impossible to get sheep to lie down unless a couple of requirements are made. Because sheep are so timid, They will refuse to lie down until they are free from fear and anxiety. They have to be completely rested to lie down and not have any fear or anxiety. If they're being harassed by flies or by parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when they are free from such pests can they relax. They will not lie down as long as they feel the need of finding food. They must be free of hunger to lie down. So lying down implies that the sheep are free from fear, flies, and hunger. Their shepherd cares for them physically, medically, socially, and emotionally. Good shepherd Jesus cares for us in this way. He provides our physical needs. Matthew chapter 6 verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. He satisfies our souls and meets our deepest needs. John 10.10b. I came that may might have life and have it abundantly. Our spiritual needs are met by shepherd Jesus. He feeds us. With the bread of heaven. John 6.35. He feeds us with himself. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He gives rest. To the weary soul. Matthew chapter 11. Verses 28 through 30. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. So we shall not want. We are well provided for. 
A green pasture represents a place of feeding, peace, and rest. Rest from weariness. Rest from the trouble of persecution. Rest for the soul from sin, guilt, and shame. And he leads me beside still waters. The still waters are wells and springs where sheep can drink and be refreshed without being rushed or swept away with a strong current. Jesus, our shepherd, refreshes us. It's in him and only in him where we find peace and rest. And it's only in him where we find refreshment when we feel spiritually parched. God's care for us, his sheep, is constant and abundant, never lacking and never ceasing. This year, our family has had a little rough. Our house flooded, our basement flooded, water coming in from all the walls in the basement. That's where we have our living room, our school room, our laundry room, a bathroom, storage room. And I got a call while I was at the office from Kim saying, you need to come home. Water's just coming in from everywhere and I can't keep up with it. And when I got home, it literally was flooding our basement everywhere. The the carpet was just saturated in our living room. And we thought, oh my goodness, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to get through this huge financial crisis? Because it's going to cost thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to get this fixed. But God's care for us is constant and abundant. Never lacking and never ceasing. And God provided for us. He provided financially. He used many of you as a means of his grace. To help us to pull up carpet, to lay down new flooring, to pray for us, to encourage Kim, to encourage me. He provided. Because that's what my shepherd does. That's what your shepherd does. He provides. Can you think of a moment? When he has provided for you. Think of a moment when he's provided for you. Just right now. And thank him in your heart. Moving to verse 3. David says he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. One of the most beautiful descriptions of Jesus' shepherding work to restore his people is found in the Gospel of Luke in the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15.4. Jesus says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Has the good shepherd found you? Can you say he restores my soul? You may know in your heart that you've wandered far away. You can't even see green pastures or still waters. You can't see Jesus. There's famine and drought in you and around you. Thorns and thistles. The good news is You're not alone. Someone is looking for you. And he wants to heal you of this spiritual aridity you find yourself in. Maybe you've wandered from God's pen because it looked like the grass was greener on the other side. The world's delights and pleasures looked extremely enticing to you. And you wandered and have partaken of their delicacies. My friend, little lamb lost. It's not too late for you. No matter what you've done. No matter what sin or sins you have committed. While you've been wandering. He's coming after you. He knows where you are. Turn to him. And forsake the worldliness of this world. He will pull you up. And place you on his shoulders gladly. Hold you tightly. And bring you back in. He will heal you. He will refresh you. He will restore you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and If he can take his sheep, David, the author of this psalm, who murdered and committed adultery, and bring him back, he can do it with you. David goes on to say, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Our good shepherd guides you and he guides me. These paths which God leads his sheep are right paths. This is not, this not only means that he gives us moral direction as Christians, but his guidance on these paths will lead us to something wonderful. The celestial city. His way 
is the best way. He guides us to live and do righteously in our lives as we follow him. His paths are the best paths. And as we walk these righteous paths, living for him, being conformed to his image through progressive sanctification, it brings him glory for his name's sake. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner Worthy of the gospel. And when we do, it shows that he is the true living God who can indeed change a person's life. A great shepherd. A great savior. A great redeemer. Who can transform a man or a woman from the inside out. And our great shepherd guides us along these righteous paths and leads us to where we need to go. But we all know that the Christian walk is not an easy one. Living for Jesus is not easy. The ground on these paths may be rough, but our shepherd still leads on. There may be no water, but our shepherd leads on. There may be snares and pits all around, but our shepherd leads on and he says, come, follow me. And in order To get where our shepherd Jesus wants us to go. He'll take us on paths through places we don't want to be. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death is as much as the shepherd's will for us as green pastures and still waters. And as I stated a moment ago, the Christian life is not always peaceful and easy. God blesses us with valleys as well. And each and every one of us face those valleys on our journey toward heaven. These valleys are deep darkness, deep shadows. These shadows represent the uncertainty of life. There will be deep, dark ravines in the Christian life. There will be boulders and rocks that you will have to struggle with in the valley of the shadow of death. There will be foes who will want to rip you to shreds there in the valley of the shadow of death. Trials of many kinds 
there in the valley of the shadow of death. There will be pain. There will be discouragements. There will be hardships. There will be temptations. There will be times when we are tempted to have great fear in the valley of the shadow of death. But the psalmist says, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. My friend, I I don't know what valley you are in right now, but I know this. God has not left you. He brought you there and he will bring you out. Because he is there with you, you are safe. The things that may dwell in the valley can do their best to destroy you. But you do not need to fear them because Jesus is close to you. You can be assured of that. Trust him. Have confidence in him. His word is true. He has not despised or disdained you in your suffering and your affliction. He has not turned a deaf ear to your cries for help. He is the faithful shepherd. He is not going to leave you alone there in the valley. You don't have to cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Christ cried that on the cross so that you would never have to. One of the greatest problems in the valley, and we've been there, is fear. Is God in control? Is evil going to harm me? Will I be torn to pieces? The presence of our shepherd is the answer to our fear. Jesus himself trusted the Father through the valley of death and God was faithful to him. Jesus, our shepherd, traveled through the valley of the shadow of death and he came out triumphant on the other side. He defeated the valley of the shadow of death. David goes on to write, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Where is David finding comfort here? He's finding his comfort in the valley. David knew that it was the presence of Yahweh's rod and his staff that vanquishes fear before the dependent flock since he too was once a shepherd. Life with a shepherd is secure. 
the rod and the staff will protect the sheep. The rod could be used as a striking weapon, pummeling any beast that would attack the herd. The staff represents stability. It was meant to help the shepherd to be stable and to maintain control. The rod means that no weapon fashioned against you in the valley shall prosper because that weapon has been defeated by King Jesus and his scepter, his rod. The staff means that God is in sovereign control over you and your life's circumstances. He is in control. He is your stability. And when you say my foot is slipping, it's his unfailing love that supports you in the valley of the shadow of death. Knowing that God is sovereign And that he is our stability comforts us when we are being accosted in the valley. What's accosting you in your valley? Is your enemy addiction? Is your enemy abuse? Is your enemy chronic illness or disease? Betrayal? Is your enemy depression? Is your enemy the rebellion of a child? What enemy is attacking you in the valley? Of death. Knowing that the Good Shepherd defends you and walks with you down the toughest roads, whatever they might be, should comfort you. Sometimes, sometimes these valleys are very long, very deep. And very dark. And some of us may spend our entire lives in a valley. But never forget his compassion and his faithful love toward you. Because look what happens in the valley. Jesus is our host. Verse 5, David writes, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. David transitions here from calling Yahweh his shepherd to now calling him his host. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence 
of my enemies. I think what God is showing us here is that he is a very intimate God. Jesus tells us in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. And you know what he does with his friends? While in the valley, he has a celebration meal with us in the presence of those enemies of ours. He wants us to rejoice in the midst of our trials. He wants us to celebrate his victory over these enemies at the cross. These enemies are no match for King Jesus. These enemies, though they may assault us at times, must watch us as we feast and celebrate Christ's victory. As we celebrate being a child of the sovereign king, as we celebrate our identity in Christ, as we rejoice that Jesus is the triumphant one and we are his friends, our enemies must watch that. My depression must watch that. My chronic illness must watch that. As I can rejoice. Because Jesus has saved me. Charles Spurgeon said, Nothing is hurried. There is no confusion. No disturbance. The enemy is at the door. And yet God prepares a table. And the Christian sits down and eats as if everything were in perfect peace. So the peace which Jehovah gives his people, even in the midst of those most trying circumstances. And during this time, David writes, you anoint my head with oil. In the midst of the battles we face, the valleys that we are led into by shepherd Jesus. The Lord revives us with his abundant grace as we fellowship with him, as we commune with him. He knows. He knows that we can become weary in the valley. He knows that we can become fatigued In the battle. That is why in the midst of those battles. In the valley. God anoints our heads. With oil. The Holy Spirit. Pours out fresh anointing. For us. To persevere. So at the table. In the valley. As our enemies watch. The Lord refreshes. He revives and he rejuvenates us. So much so that our cup overflows. There is grace to be joyful in the valley. There is grace to have peace in the valley. There is grace to have hope In the valley of the shadow of death. 
Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So in the midst of our sufferings, We can rejoice because that suffering is producing all those things in us. In the presence of our enemies, our spiritual cup overflows with abundant blessing. Spiritual blessing. And we only get there through the good shepherd who leads us. And he can only lead us if we are his sheep. And we can only be his sheep if we have responded to the glorious gospel of grace that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. It is through the gospel that we get these abundant spiritual blessings in the presence of our enemies. This August will be 20 years for me when I walked and surrendered to the city of Lynchburg and began my one-year prison sentence for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I remember walking down the sidewalk and the media was there. It was my valley. And I remember the media was videotaping me and they asked me, how do you feel? How do you feel going to prison? And the only thing I can utter, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. And in that moment, my enemies, fear, anxiety, uncertainty, had a watch as oil was being poured over me. And I was being revived. And as the Lord was setting a table for me, it was peace in the valley for me. There's peace in the valley for you, whatever your valley might be. David goes on to write, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Here's the promise. 
Yahweh is good. Not only is he good, but he is merciful. The Hebrew word here for mercy means that God is steadfast in his love for you. He is devoted to you. And so his goodness, his devotion, his steadfast love and his covenant commitment to you. You know what he does with those? Pursues you for the rest of your life. You know what he's saying to you, sheep? You know what he's saying to you, dear Christian? He's saying, you can count on me. Every day, every hour, every minute, and every second of your life on this earth, you can count on me. That's our Jesus. That's our Savior. That's our God. He keeps his promise. He is faithful. He is true. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the ravines, in the midst of your valley of the shadow of death, he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. How do I know this? Because it's in the book. And his book, the word of God, is true. You can count on Jesus. He will get you through all the pain that you're going through. Tom, would you please come up? The team. Then David writes, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And for all days, for all eternity, you and I shall be with Jesus forever and ever. Enjoying him. The valley of the shadow of death in your life will be decimated. Your enemies will be vanquished. Heaven is our home. Heaven will be our home. That's what awaits us. So whatever you're facing now, Christian, he's blessing you even in the midst of your enemies. He's anointing your head with oil, reviving you. There will be an end to these troubles. And with knowing that, latch on to what is to come. Eternity. Hold back. You can have praise in the valley and peace in your valley.
He'll give you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. That is our God. That is our shepherd. That is our host. Lord, help us to remember the peace that we have cannot be taken away. It is not something that we that we were able to construct or we were able to achieve. But it is something that was secured by Christ at the cross. And that is a victory that will never fade. That is a victory that will never be taken away from us. And so, Lord, help us as we go from this place to remember the peace that we have with you and not throw it away worrying about the cares of this world, worrying about the valley of the shadow of death, worrying about the the things that are going to face us this week. Lord, help us to embrace the peace that you've given us, the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, let it keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Go in peace.